0: Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you are having an awesome day. I am recording this at one o five in the morning, Sunday night slash Monday morning, because I'm a crazy person, and I don't like to sleep. <laughs> and I was up to like 3 a.m. last night. You ever have those nights where you just kind of toss and turn? I think I was hot. I couldn't get comfortable. And then I woke up at like 7 this morning. So I'm going to be sleepy tomorrow. Um, maybe I can take a nap at work. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, anyway, I hope you're doing awesome. Sorry to just blab on there for a second. Uh, we're going to jump right into today's um, message. Uh, it wasn't really a message. It was actually more of a conversation between our, our pastor, Pastor Hannah, and a good friend of the church's Michaela Simmeral. Uh, she works in anti-human trafficking, and since February is uh, Human Trafficking Awareness Month, we wanted to have her come in and just kind of lead a little Q&A um, uh, discussion about things to look for, um, signs you know to look for, ways you can spot somebody who might be in danger of being trafficked, and then if you do, then what? Um, So there's a lot of education and and awareness, and uh, it was a, you know, it's a hard subject to talk about, so I can't say that it was like, you know, the most amazing, uplifting Sunday we've ever had, but it's important work, and we're happy to be a part of it. Uh, Michaela works for a really awesome organization, and we're happy to support them as well. Uh, Right now, I would normally be giving you announcements, but Hannah did a welcome, and she did such a good job with the announcements. I figure i will just let her take care of it. And also uh, today was really cool because we got to see one of my favorite things, which is Hannah on stage wearing baby Nova.
1: You may notice I have a small person attached to me. Um, she's having a weird day. <laughs> so if she cries, you know, i just give her to my mom and we'll just keep going, okay? This is real life and I love her a lot. So she's gonna just be right here. Um, We have a couple of important announcements, first of all, brunch at Three Daughters, of course, so head on over there after we are done with this. If you take out your phones, you can go to diff.church, that is the best way to connect with us, unless, of course, you can grab me on the way out, but it might be difficult. (laughs) Last week, we had to run away very quickly because she refused to eat out of a bottle. But so what happens when you have an 11-week-old baby? (laughs) So... um, Go to diff.church. You can let us know what you're praying about. You can let us know what you're celebrating. We would love to celebrate with you. You can donate there. You can sign up for groups. This is the most important announcement. Groups are starting so soon. You must sign up for them. We have a St. Pete group, a Tampa group, and we have an online virtual group. They will be all doing the same thing. So we're gonna have some discussion questions loosely based on that week's topic or that week's sermon and then everyone is welcome to participate in that group and kind of share your opinions. We, of course, always wanna be respectful. We have a lot of different people from a lot of different faith backgrounds who come here and we want this to be a safe place for everyone to explore faith and I'm really excited. I think groups are the best part of church. Like this is pretty great, but groups are my favorite. So you should definitely join. Bree is our St. Pete leader. Isaac is our Tampa leader. He was out front greeting people. And then we have Josh and Jamie Chan who are our Zoom group leader. And all of the times are behind me. Is that all the announcements? Oh yeah, we're turning one next week. This is so exciting. You should come because we're gonna have something cool for you if you come. I'm not telling you what it is, you have to come. Um, Can you believe we've made it a year? Through a pandemic. Oh, man, I'm so excited. <laughs> so we are turning one. We have some cool, we're going to a new spot next week for brunch. Um, we are going to have cake because it's a birthday. And what, do we need an excuse to eat cake? No, but I'll take turning one as an excuse to eat cake. And it's just going to be an excellent time all around. So definitely make sure you're here. And we are going to have free portraits, like actual nice photos, not like a selfie on your iPhone, although the iPhone camera is pretty fabulous. But Jarrett's gonna take some lovely photos of you and then they will be yours to keep, provided we can share your beautiful faces on social media. (laughs) So we have a guest speaker today and actually we're gonna have a discussion about sex trafficking. Now this is something that impacts our local community in St. Pete and we have Michaela here. Some of you may remember, she came and led worship for us a couple of times at the end of last year and she actually works for a local anti-sex trafficking organization. So we have lots of things to learn today. Before that, it's Black History Month, so you know what time it is? Time for the Black Person of the Week that you should know. This, hopefully there will be a picture, (laughs) is Gladys West. Now, you may not know her, but I guarantee you she affects every part of your life. She was a mathematician who spent her entire life analyzing satellite data, and she is responsible for GPS. Yes. So if you don't have to print out MapQuest directions anymore, if you do not have to print out a triptych from AAA to get where you're going, if you don't need a front seat driver to navigate you and be like, oh no, I missed the exit, it's too late, we have to turn around and make a 20-mile detour, if you don't get lost going literally anywhere in your life, think a black person. Gladys West. She made that possible. And special shout out to Tiffany who showed me this person this week. I had no idea who Gladys West is, and now I feel like my life is much better. Okay, so we everyone give a hand to Michaela. I'm gonna have her come up here. Woo! All right. <laughs> Michaela is a regional advocate for more to life, which is a non governmental organization, a nonprofit that's not from the government. Does that make sense? NGO, there you go. NGO. If you don't know what NGO means, it's non-governmental organization. I had to look that up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm gonna try and sit down. We'll see how this goes. (laughs) Yes. Still sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) So, More to Life primarily serves clients ages 10 to 24 who have been trafficked or are identified as high risk for being trafficked. And today we wanna discuss the ins and outs of sex trafficking and how it impacts our local community in St. Pete and what we can do about it.
2: Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me uh, this morning at Different Church. Um, so before we kind of get into this talk, I did want to say that it's it can tend to be heavy. Um, so if anyone at any point is feeling uncomfortable, uh, triggered, um, just kind of not at ease, you know, um, at any point, feel free to take a step outside, just take a moment. Um, and afterwards, if, if there's anything that you want to process through, talk through with myself. Um, I have tons of resources that I can put you in touch with, but I always like to caveat with that because human trafficking is uh, not the most fun topic to talk about, but it's definitely necessary to be aware of what's going on locally. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: So can you start by telling us what is sex trafficking? And is there a difference between that and human
2: trafficking? Is it the same thing? Yes. So human trafficking is kind of like a larger thing. That's what we like to coin the term as like human trafficking. But with underneath human trafficking, there are three different types that we commonly see in America, in the States. And those are sex trafficking, labor trafficking, and domestic servitude. And I'll kind of go into those a little bit later as to what the signs are for victims that are suffering either as a sex trafficking victim, labor, or domestic servitude. Um, So just to kind of broadly define human trafficking, so human trafficking, it's the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of label, labor or commercial sex act. So force, fraud, or coercion, and that's how it's defined by law enforcement, FBI. That's how they identify human trafficking. Um, and then, like Hannah said, I work for an NGO called More to Life, T-O-O, just throwing that in there because there's different more to lives out there. So more to life, we primarily serve victims and survivors of sex trafficking. We do receive referrals for labor and domestic servitude but usually like to refer those out to experts in those areas. Um, what's really neat about more to life is that as Hannah said, I'm a regional advocate, which is it's another word for a victim advocate. Um, We also on our staff have full-time survivor mentors and clinicians. So a survivor mentor is someone who has been a victim, who has survived human trafficking, and now they are healed, they're healthy, and working full-time in this field to meet with girls and boys um, who are coming out of this. Um, It's pretty phenomenal to watch it in person because some of these... Clients, some of these victims, we like to call them mentees, because we have mentors, mentees. Um, it, they, they see therapists, they see counselors, but they are always saying, but you don't get me. You know? No one understands what I've been through and the trauma that I've experienced, but now having a survivor mentor on staff, they can say, I know exactly what's going on because I went through it and I lived it. So that has been extremely powerful um, to see survivor mentors come through in that way. And our organization More to Life was started by a survivor of human trafficking.
1: Yeah. So I've heard that, and maybe some of you have heard too, Florida and Tampa in particular is kind of a hot spot for human trafficking. Um, why is that? Why is it so prevalent in our area and how can we tell who's at the most risk and why are they at the most risk
2: yeah so I definitely want to break that down as to why is Florida ranked that high or where is Florida kind of in the rankings and I do have a slide I have a picture to kind of show the hot spots Um, so the Polaris project they have this um, I believe this is a few years old at this point but you kind of get uh, get the gist of it that the hotspots are California and Florida, and you see on the East Coast, kind of up towards New York and D.C. But in 2019, um, Florida ranked third in reported human trafficking cases. Um, so Florida is third in the country, um, and then within the state of Florida, we have three um, three of the top or in in America, we have three of the top ten cities just in Florida alone, which are Miami, Orlando, and St. Pete, Tampa, Clearwater area. It's kind of, Tampa's like lumped into one area. Um, So Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater is number three in the state as far as reports for human trafficking. And um, so we... We're definitely more prevalent because of many things uh, in this area, in particular, and in Florida. Uh, for one, we have what's called the I 4 corridor. I'm sure you all know I 4 going up to Orlando back and forth. It's a very easy um, transient place when people come to visit. There's lots of tourism in Orlando, lots of tourism in Clearwater. You know, we have some of the best beaches in the country. So it's very easy on I 4 to transport and move people. And children. Um, Also, uh, unfortunately, we have lots of uh, strip clubs that are in our area. Um, I'm sure all of you were aware of what, you know, happened last month, which was the Super Bowl, was in our area, right? And it's very exciting that we get to host something like that. But with large events, such as the Super Bowl, such as Wrestlemania, such as uh, what's the Monster Jam, um, with that comes people, and when traffickers know that there is an influx of people coming into a town to visit, they move their girls, they move their boys to that area and start s- exploiting and soliciting them online um, because there's more people. So it's, it's very unfortunate, but um, in our area we have a lot kind of going against us in that way and that's why it's so prevalent in Florida and um, in this area. So the. The next part of your question was you said, who is most at risk and why? So the most at risk um, are vulnerable youth and young adults that are in the foster care system. Uh, About 40%, I would say, of the kids that we serve that are coming out of the foster care system have been trafficked. Um, LGBTQ youth that are runaways are very, very vulnerable, and we actually serve and mentor in one of the only safe houses for boys um, in Pasco County. And there's a lot of LGBTQ youth that are there um, being helped after they've been trafficked. And also um, children who have been um, sexually abused within the home, and home is not a safe place anymore, and they run away, that's a very, very um, high risk person who you know, could be potentially trafficked. So. Um, now, something that I want to kind of shed light on is, nowadays, those are like the high, high, high risk, right? But now, it's pre-teens, it's teenagers, it's young adults, anyone who has a cell phone in their hands is at risk, honestly. Um, that is just the biggest thing that we have seen, even since COVID has hit. Uh, we have noticed a huge influx of referrals of just 13, 14 year olds and their parents catch something that's going on on the phone that just doesn't seem quite right. And although they have not technically been trafficked, they are very high risk for being trafficked because of the activity that they've had on social media on certain apps men and women that are trying to groom them through these apps so it's it's really scary but it's something to just be aware of that it's not just the runaways it's not just homeless youth that are at risk anymore it's any youth that are using social media that's not being properly monitored so how
1: like if we understand who's at risk and it sounds terrifying to think everybody could potentially have some risk, right, mm-hmm. um, especially as a mom of a baby. Um, so how would we spot it? Like what are the signs, What? Can, how can we know when something is potentially going wrong?
2: Yes, and I, I did want to mention, I forgot to tell like one little story before we moved on to that question, is um, speaking about how traffickers and pimps and um, people prey on teenagers and young girls and boys is they prey on vulnerabilities and in general just things that kids kind of say that I'm lacking in or I need need love, I need this, right? So one of our survivor mentors, she got You know home was not safe for her anymore. She had been um, sexually abused as a child ran away from home And then a gentleman did see her this was a while ago before Technology and the cell phones she met a man um, in person. I think it was at a gas station and he just said you're beautiful you have beautiful eyes and that's all it took. She had never heard that from a safe person in her life, but she heard it from him. So she was immediately drawn to him and that's how she um, entered into the life is what they call it, is the life. So how can we spot uh, human trafficking and how do we report it? So I definitely want to go back to human trafficking, that broad term, and how there's the three kind of tiers to it, or the three common types that we see. So for us with sex trafficking, um, definitely one way, or there's multiple ways to spot it. So a younger person um, with an older adult, that looks out of place. Um, Definitely the younger person might be dressed a certain way, whereas the older adult is not. Um, if it just kind of looks out of place, then it's, it could be something. Um, a victim, they wouldn't be making eye contact at all. So if you kind of are assessing the situation, they'd most likely be looking down. They wouldn't try and make on, eye contact with you and get out of it because they'd be afraid to. Um, A victim, they would not be able to speak for themselves. So if you did approach them, which we'll talk about that later, (laughs) um, if you were to approach them, they wouldn't be speaking for themselves. Their pimp or trafficker or the person who is exploiting them would speak for them. Um, They would not have their own ID on them. That was another thing that happened to one of our survivors as she was being trafficked during Mardi Gras. And some cops pulled over her and the person that was buying from her, they call them Johns, I don't like that name, Um, but I call them the buyer. But this cop pulled over the buyer and the survivor, and the cop, and we're training law enforcement now, so we're getting much better, but the cop didn't ask for her ID. Um, She didn't have it on her, her pimp had it. So if he would have known, if this cop would have known to say, hmm, You know, she doesn't have her ID on her. She's not really speaking for herself. I need to get her out of this situation. He didn't know. And she mentions that a lot in her talks as well, that she could have been rescued much earlier if that law enforcement officer would have known. Um, Also, the trafficker, or yeah, that would be holding it for them. So signs of being groomed. This is on the Internet, uh, on the apps now. Um, Or just in general, if you're noticing these... uh, characteristics at all in someone, then it's possible that they're being groomed to be trafficked. So if the victim or if the client is in school, their grades will tend to start suffering a bit. Um, Victims, they will protect their phones and the conversations on their phones very, very tightly. They become very possessive over their cell phones. They don't want anyone seeing or looking or knowing what they're talking about. Um, They talk about having an older boyfriend possibly or a new friend who's older than them that is saying, hey, you, you know, I have this job for you. Hey, I'm making money this way. Um, if they show up all of a sudden and have multiple phones, if they have new shoes, new nails, new hair, but they don't have a job. Especially, we, we see this a lot in our younger youth, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, it's like well, you, there's no way you're working right now, so what's, what's going on? You know, you have a brand new purse on you. So that, those are just some signs. Um, and then also substance abuse goes hand in hand with it because a lot of pimps and traffickers will use drugs to lure them into the life. Labor trafficking. Looks a bit different. So with labor trafficking, it happens a lot locally in our massage parlors, nail salons. Um, so something that we've been taught to kind of look for is when you're in these massage parlors, nails, nail salons, if you're going to the back to like use the restroom, um, if you notice there's luggage in the back, if you notice there's um, pots and pans like to actually cook meals, not just snacks, you know, but it looks like someone's living there. That's a big sign. Um, because we we were part of a rescue where there were, um, it was on the east coast of Florida. Some of you may have heard of it in the news a few years back. Um, I believe one of the buyers was like uh, the owner of the Patriots, right? So he, You know, he got off with a small charge, of course, which is unfortunate. But anyways, we were able to help rescue some of the women from these massage parlors. And they had no idea that they were being trafficked. Um, They just kind of went with it. Uh, They paid to live in the salon. They had to pay $10 a night just to sleep on the massage tables at night. And they were living in the salon and were told to work this many hours a day with very little pay. Their passports were being held, um, and, so, and their families were being threatened. So that happens quite often. And then also with youth, youth that are selling magazines door-to-door, youth that are delivering newspapers. Um, we've seen one of our, our girls who was sex trafficked then be taken advantage of and labor trafficked. She was told, this hurts my heart, um, by a church. By a church that she she could come and have a room, have you know meals if she would just help set up events if she would just help with certain things and sooner you know she good thing she knew the signs because we had been working with her for a little bit but she was working 14 hours plus a day um, one meal a day wasn't getting paid so just things like that it is just it's hidden It's hidden right in front of our faces, but we have no idea sometimes what's going on. And then last one is domestic servitude. Um, and that one is, it happens to more um, people who are immigrants, refugees that are coming into this country, being trafficked into the country. And it's typically younger people who are made to stay at home and essentially just be a live-in nanny um, for no pay or just to stay in this country. So that happens pretty often as well. Um, and with the signs for that, it's someone who's younger, they're not attending school, you notice the blinds are shut 24-7, um, whenever they do come out of the house, they're not making eye contact with you or speaking, so that's domestic servitude signs. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put up a slide at the end too, we'll talk about how to report some of these things. So. Yeah, So once we know the
1: signs, like, what can we actually do to support NGOs locally, um, like More to Life, or, ha- like, how can we even, wh- what can we even do? Because mm-hmm. it feels, the whole topic feels really overwhelming to yes. me personally. It may feel overwhelming to you. You may think, I, what, just because I spotted something, what if I'm wrong? What if I really offend someone by and it's really like their niece or something? Right,
2: right. Right. Um, So the first thing to do is educate yourselves as much as possible and educate others because what happens nowadays, and and I did the same thing. So I started in this field internationally and I saw it in Guatemala. I worked with women in Berlin, Germany. Um, You see it in Cambodia, Thailand. But in our minds, we think, and then the the movie Taken by, you know, with Liam Neeson in it, that's what we think of when we're like, oh, that's human trafficking, it happens overseas, or it's people being like chained and kidnapped and thrown into a van, and that's what we think. So the sooner we educate ourselves on what does it really look like here in St. Pete, in Tampa, in Orlando, um, then we can start to move forward with, okay, how can I recognize the signs, and what, what can I do? So the big thing is um, obviously, well, we can put it up um, in a second here. I have a hotline that you can call, so if you ever suspect something, you can just call that hotline, and that hotspot map that I showed you earlier, it's tracking that. So the more calls that we have in, they're aware of what's going on in our state then we get more funding to help battle it and combat this. So the more you report it, or if you're suspicious of something going on in your neighborhood, at a school, at your place of work, you just simply call the hotline and it's anonymous. Um, So that's a very practical thing to do. Um, I would definitely say... Be, be safe first, put your safety first when it comes to inter, intervening um, in person. I, even myself, like being someone who's trained in the field, I've been on sting operations, I always need to protect myself first because pimps and traffickers can be very, very dangerous. Um, so make sure if you do see something in person, out and about, Once again, that you just um, call the hotline, you, if anything, kind of become your own little detective. Take down as many mental notes and details as possible. What is the age, roughly, of the young person or the person you think is being trafficked? What does the exploiter uh, look like? Where were they last seen? What were they wearing? Just things like that. And you'd call that into the hotline. Um, A big one that I know it sounds weird, but we need to start doing it more is we need to challenge pop cultural norms that are going on right now. Um, with the oversexualization that's going on in media, it's making it normal now. Um, something that I've heard a lot of lately that's really scary, because we were all teenagers once, right? or some of you still may be teenagers, I don't know. We're all teenagers at heart. But anyways, I've been, t- I've been talking to a lot of teenagers lately and just saying, what what are some normal things that are going on now for you in your pop culture days? Because we had our own things, right? So for them, obviously, they all have iPhones, smartphones. And one of the things they're saying is certain apps, it's very normal to just send nude photos. It's normal. It's praised. It is acceptable. And um, and it's an exchange for something. That now it's easier than ever to send money back and forth, to send things to to a doorstep, to hand out your address and say, "Cool, I'm going to send you this picture. In return, you're going to send me, you know, something on Venmo or Cash App." So these pop cultural norms, we need to start shattering them and saying, "This isn't this isn't right." Um, something that I experienced recently. And and in the moment, I was so mad at the person. But then when I really thought about it, I'm like, but it's not his fault. It's literally our culture's fault for teaching him it's okay to talk like this. So I take boxing lessons, right? So I'm in the gym, and we're boxing. And then at some point, he's like, all right, everyone, like, let's squat, you know? So we're getting on our squat. And then he's like, okay, now, you know, bounce up and down or do this like a stripper, blah, blah, blah. And he was, like, saying like a stripper. And I'm like, hmm. I'm not sure I'm down with that, and then he was like, yeah, you know, it's cool. We're, uh, we're paying for them to go to trade school and to go to college and do better things with their lives, and I'm just like, oh, if only he knew. So it's just, you know, because we work with women who are being held against their will to work in strip clubs. So when we think it's normal <laughs> to just say these things, It's not, and it shouldn't be. So that's a big part of what we can be doing, is calling people out when they're starting to make things sound normal, Um, when it comes to being over-sexualized, young kids being sexualized in that way. Um, So I know it sounds, sometimes it sounds kind of lame, but that's a practical way to just say, we need to stand up against this. Um, Yes?
1: So we had just a couple more questions um, from you guys. So, what do, do victims of human trafficking and sex trafficking do? They self-identify as victims, and do they ask for help?
2: Uh, nine times out of ten, no, they do not self-identify. It's very, very rare. Um, we receive referrals from all over, um, directly from parents, grandparents, but also DCF. D.J.J. And most of the time, these girls are like, "It was my boyfriend. I loved him. Like, what do you mean I was being trafficked? I don't know." And it's it's not until we call it getting them to ground zero and kind of saying, "This is what was happening. You know, this is what's happened to women that we work with, survivor mentors." Um, and it's like, even though you think that's not what's going on. That's what was happening. So it's, it's very, very rare that you'll have someone that comes to you and says, I'm a victim, I need help for trafficking. Now they could say, I'm a victim, um, I need help with my substance abuse, or I need help because a lot of these things go hand in hand. Or they say, I'm, you know, struggling with domestic violence with my boyfriend. But then you say, cool, how old are you? I'm 15. How old's your boyfriend? he's 35. So just things like this, you know, and what is he making you do? Um, That's kind of how we dig deeper to kind of see what's going on and help them. And so how would we help someone if
1: they don't self-identify as a victim, they may be very resistant or very reluctant to being taken away from what they've been told are benefits, Mm -hmm. or maybe that protection, or maybe just the praise that they're getting from this person. How Mm -hmm. do you help someone if they are very reluctant to be helped.
2: Yeah, we we deal with it every single day. Um, some of the mentees that we work with, they're still they're still back and forth with their trafficker, and we can't physically pull them out of that situation. Um, we can, you know, inform law enforcement. Law enforcement can be the ones tracking it. But the biggest thing is that we always say but we're here. You know, as long as they know that we're here for them, no matter what, they have safe people that they can call any hours of the night because we're 24-7, 365. So if we get a call from someone at 2 a.m. saying, hey, I need to get out of this situation, we're helping them. Um, So it's definitely just showing up and showing them that they're seen no matter what, because it's like with anything. Until you're ready to get out of something, you're not going to, right? Um, And then as far as like, you know, a lot of people say that with domestic violence, you know, why didn't you get out of it sooner? There's so many different levels as to why, right? It's the same thing with trafficking. So many levels as to why you can't just run away. You can't just leave it. it. It takes time and it takes safe people in place for that moment of when they're ready. For sure. And um, I was going to mention a few other local NGOs, too, that um, with More to Life, and we partner with Sela Freedom as well, United States Institute Against Human Trafficking, they're the ones that have the home for boys in Pasco County. Redefining Refuge. And then something that's really neat that could be a tangible thing if anyone here is interested in joining, um, the Heart Dance Foundation. Uh, it's a local, uh, nonprofit that is dealing, it's going into the strip clubs and handing out, um, goodie bags. So if different church ever wants to like sponsor that event or come out or, you know, pray, uh, they're amazing. And I can put you in touch with them as well. And can we put up your slide with contact information? Yeah, yeah, we can put up
1: the slide with all the some contact info and we can put this we can share this on social media and you can also just take a screenshot of it on your phone to have that number mm-hmm. um, especially so that would be helpful. Um, we are almost out of time <laughs> already I feel like that was just five minutes that we were All talking. Right. I feel like this has been so informative for me personally and I'm a person who has worked with of Freedom in the past. Um, and in person with girls who have been rescued from human trafficking. So, and still I've learned so much. So I hope that this has been informative for you about something that's actually happening in our city and with people who are just an arm's length away from us. Um, so mm-hmm. we want to keep educating ourselves. I'm so grateful to Michaela for being here. We're going to pray, but um, we have a very special song at the end, and so Michaela has a few words to say about that. If the band would like to come on up, um, it's a really special song. Yes,
2: I sing it uh, when I filled in a few months ago, and um, now it's going to have even more context. So it's called "Fix You" by Coldplay, and within some of these lyrics, I I listen to the song and I think of our mentees. You know, I think of these girls and boys who have had so much stolen from them. They put themselves out there sometimes thinking that they wanted love. Um, You get what you want, but not what you need. They needed true love. They needed true connection. But someone tricked them into thinking that what they could give was true love. But they took something. They took their innocence from them. So this song is just super, super powerful in that context um, with some of these lyrics. And yeah. Yeah. So what, I'm, what we're going to pray, um, but what I would ask
1: you to do is something kind of Pentecostal. Y'all know I grew up Pentecostal, so I'm one of those people. Raise my hands. We have victory marches around the church. Not weird to me. So I want to pray, instead of just a general prayer, I want us to pray specifically for Michaela and the work that she does. So if you just want to participate in it in your own spirit, in your own mind, um, and just kind of stretch your hands towards her in kind of solidarity with this, and we'll pray together, and then we'll have that song. and. Yana will dismiss us to brunch. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to learn what is happening to people that you care so much about, to children, boys and girls, members of the LGBT community who may not have a home, um, people in the foster care system, what's happening to them right under our noses and what we can do about it. What a privilege to actually put our faith into action and learn about something that maybe even will make us uncomfortable but could save somebody's life. And we know that you have healed us from great pain and that you are capable of healing all of these precious babies from the pain that has been inflicted on them. And we just pray as a church, all of us together, God, that you will support and empower and strengthen Michaela that you will provide funding for more to life, that you will enable her to have the emotional and mental fortitude that is necessary when coming into people who are so broken, coming into contact with them. God, that she will be able to speak life into situations where there has been no life in years, that she will be able to be hope to people who maybe have never sensed hope in their lives that she will be able to say the words that will touch someone's heart. And even if they don't get out of that situation immediately, that they will know that there is a safe place, that there is a safe person, that there is a safe organization, that they are valued and respected and worthy of love and not of abuse, God. We pray this in your name, knowing that this is an easy thing for you to empower her and to empower us to not be timid, but to speak boldly against the injustices that are in our community. And we speak against that right now in the name of Jesus, that this will cease, that the devil cannot have our children, that cannot have our children in Tampa and in Clearwater and in St. Pete, that we can do something about it and that you will enable us to continue. And I'm so grateful for Michaela and the work that she does every day. And I'm grateful for all of you. So we pray all of this in Jesus' name.
2: Amen.